I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Run on the score. This hour is brought to you by Horwitz and Horwitz, Illinois' top personal injury lawyers. That's Joe Ostrowski. I'm Barry Rosner. And right now, it's time to go out to the score hotline. You know what that music means. It's time for score baseball insider Bruce Levine. You can hear every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, and you hear him right now on Hit and Run. Okay, Bruce, the White Sox played some decent baseball this week. Do you think that uh, that, that team meeting had some sort of an effect on them? And what was Rick Renteria trying to accomplish with that? Well, I think, uh, guys, that uh, he, he's just trying to confirm just what uh, – James Shields talked about yesterday the fact that uh, you know it's it's great about the rebuild and that uh, we're not expected to win but we do expect to win every day. Shields was very adamant about yesterday after his game that uh, hey great about the rebuild I don't care I care about winning and that's what uh, they have to sell to these players you can't get complacent in a rebuild about how uh, you have jobs automatically and that winning losing is okay. That can never be the case, yet, you know, they're, they're losing at a historic pace, and the message has to be uh, confirmed time and time again that it's not okay to lose. It's, a, it's okay to develop, but you're playing in the major leagues at the highest level. Uh, you can't go out there and be embarrassed. I'm assuming that you were at the game on Friday night. Uh, can you explain, uh, try to express what it was like being there? Well, uh, it was emotional, and, you know, for a guy – you know, like uh, me and Barry have been around forever uh, to, to get emotion from a, an event at a game. Uh, we, we love the game, but when you see the human element involved, family, uh, the whole team supporting him behind the mound on the first pitch, I'd never seen that before. I, I, very few people ever had seen a whole team and a family behind a guy throwing out a first pitch. It was highly emotionally charged for me personally. Uh, just the, the fact that this guy was back uh, around the, what he loved doing best and that he was healthy six weeks later, although he's got tremendous challenges ahead personally, certainly hopefully professionally. But uh, this was uh, one of those moments that you were happy uh, you covered baseball, you were happy you were there, and you'll always remember it. It was it was something very special. Yeah, I was watching with my wife and one of my daughters. It's, it's pretty tough not to get emotional. I mean, he's got a little baby... Uh, a whole stable full of kids and and one really cute little boy who was running around. That was awesome, having himself a good time. Yeah. Um, it was it was a nice moment and really well done by the White Sox. Bruce, uh, what do you think the White Sox will do with their first pick tomorrow, and what would you do? Well, what uh, what I would do is what they're going to do, and that's pick the best player available, pitcher or position player. And you get sick of hearing that generality about will take the best athlete. But that's, that's certainly the case. When we talked to uh, the scouting director, you know, and uh, he, he talked about the fact that, um, you know, and, and we're, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, Nick Hus, uh, 
Hustedler, the scouting director of the White Sox, on Friday, he said they have a list of 10, okay, the top players they want in that order. And whatever falls to them at four will be the player they take. They're not going to waver. So uh, let's say it's Joe Bart, this catcher out of Georgia Tech, and he drops from two to four, and he's higher on the list than what the White Sox have at that point. The Sox are automatically taking him. And that's interesting because we know they took Collins as a catcher two years ago. We know they took Berger as a third baseman a year ago. Uh, yet they would take a catcher again, and they would take a, like an Alec Baum, who's, who's uh, out of Wichita State, a third baseman. They would take that player again, even though they have it fortified high up from draft previously. So from that perspective, that's how the White Sox are going to go. It looks like to me, if everything stays in order the way it goes right now, It'll be either a, a Brady Singer out of uh, Florida, a right-handed pitcher, college pitcher, a good power pitcher, or a left-handed uh, high school pitcher, Matt Libatore, is the possibility. Uh, but you know, you, you also have um, you know you also have a, a second baseman out of Oregon State who is uh, probably you know a, a top-looking player for them as well. So. Could be any of those guys. Um, again, the top player going with the Cubs. Obviously, it's going to be different. They pick twenty-four. So, if they want to pick uh, for need rather uh, than for best player available, they can. But uh, you know, most of these slots are all are all slotted for money, and uh, you know, it's a huge amount of money in the top round there. So, uh, there is a lot of pressure on Hostetler and the White Sox to get it right. Uh, Bruce, I get it if Sox fans are pessimistic about this high draft pick and next year's high draft pick uh, likely to be maybe even the top pick. Who knows? I understand it, but can you explain uh, how different it is under Hostetler versus the previous regime? When you know you constantly hear people point back, well, this is the same organization that took Gordon Beckham. How'd that work out? Jared Mitchell. You know, mm-hmm. Courtney Hawkins, you can go up and down the list for actually the last couple of decades. But explain what is different and why you shouldn't be as pessimistic. Well, the difference is there's more input from everybody involved. I think, you know, it starts at the top with the top rest, and they've always been involved in it. But, uh, you know, I think Hostetler um, uh, has, uh, you know, certainly Rick Hahn in mind, Kenny Williams in mind, Jerry Reinsdorf in mind when they make this pick because. He admitted, and you know, I'm writing this story for 670thescore.com. Uh, It'll be up on the on the website about the White Sox pick in the next hour. Uh, he admitted there's more pressure now because of this rebuild that they're in, and the fact that they don't have the players to compete that they want at the major league level now. So that makes it even more important that they have the right pick here, and that hopefully they don't get injured like the last couple, and they make it all the way through. So you know, if it's a Nick Madrigal who's you know, maybe the guy that they go after, uh, you know, out of out west, uh, you know, a terrific young uh, player out of Oregon State, uh, leadoff man type or whatever. They're going to have to decide, you know, what's the best projected guy here uh, going forward and uh, how soon can we get him to the major leagues? Can it be in two years or three years the way we want him to be uh, for the rest of our prospects being ready and for us to step on the metal and start adding through uh, free agency and trade as well? 
Bruce, uh, going back to the Anthony Rizzo slide from last week and everything that came out of that, are you completely clear on the rules? Do you think the umpires are? Do you think the players are? And where do you think this is all headed? You know, it's a, Barry, it's a great question because uh, the way that you phrase it is perfect. Is anybody really clear on this? And what's good baseball? What's bad baseball? What's illegal baseball? All those things. We got the mixed message from Joe Torrey. He said, okay, the umpires got it wrong. He should have been called out. The ball should have been dead, and that's it. But yet that's not what happens. You know, they don't go back and change it. They don't go back and make them replay it from that point. Uh, you know, it was the umpire's interpretation of the rule that was wrong, and, you know, I, I think it should have been played over if that's the way it goes. But uh, the message is, is not clear to me, and it's, and it's not baseball to me anymore. Uh, I, I don't understand it because uh, it used to be considered the play that you had to make as a base runner, right? For 135 years, it was a play you had to make as a base runner to take that second baseman, shortstop, or catcher out so there's not a double play. Now it's you have to have a clear line to home plate. You have to ask for F. Have to ask the catcher permission to take a slide. I mean, it's it's a joke. I I really don't get it. I don't understand what they're trying to do, other than the fact that we know Buster Posey, one of the higher profile players in the game, four years ago was hurt and out for a long period of time. Therefore, they changed the rule. Can you give me any other interpretation of it? If they don't want anybody to get hurt, and they just don't, it's clear they don't want anybody to get touched anymore yep. if that's the Put case a little dress on them and tell them not to slide if that's the case why not just make that the rule just say you can never touch a fielder as a runner you can never ever touch a fielder and then we'll know and then it's just clear and then you'll just remove all contact from the game do you think that's going to happen no because the runner can the the, the fielder can force the contact himself so therefore you'd have to interpret if the fielder forced the contact rather than the runner Okay, so it, it's never going to be clear, and and I just don't understand it. You can be right by taking either side of it, but to me, uh, contact with a runner and a and a position player is an integral part of the game, and it always has been. Now, when you're now, if you want to interpret intent, and your the intent is to try to hurt somebody, and if you trust the umpires enough to do that, okay. I, but I think they always did that. You know, the guy went in head first, you know, and tried to, you know, take the guy out and hurt him, I think you could always call the guy out for for the lack of intent of going for the base. I think some things are more obvious than others, don't you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bruce, yeah. the, the plan the Cubs said was for you, Darvish, to uh, start throwing a little bit maybe uh, this weekend or early this coming week. Any mm-hmm. update there? No, I, I, but I mean, by the way it's going, I don't think you're going to see him before June 15th. I mean, uh, it, he's going to miss a couple more starts. Uh, and, and again, do you guys interpret some of this as, hey, they don't want him to pitch on the road uh, at home when he comes back because they don't want him to get booed and they don't want him to be too sensitive in the moment. Um, I think we've gotten w- way far away from what, what this is all about. This is a veteran major league pitcher who has pitched in the wards for six or seven years, seven years in the big leagues has won big games, has lost big games. Have we, have we really lost the, the, the total feel for 
that the guy just has to go out there healthy and compete? Is there anything more that you really need to add in here other than the $126 million that the Cubs owe him? Even if they paid him $30 million, people would be questioning, hey, you got one one win so far. You've thrown maybe uh, four decent games out of your 10 starts. You know, it's, it's up to you to just go out there and compete. No, you're right. And, and Chris Jimenez did not help the situation at all. He he gets called up with the club, and, and he's telling the Sun-Times just, uh, well, now he's worried that the Cubs fans hate him. I mean, just yeah. the, the drama needs to stop. He needs to get out on the mound, um, get, get healthy first, get out on the mound, and just once he's, yeah. pitch, he's pitching well, it's going to be all fine. He can pitch wherever. And I, I'm not really buying the Wrigley Field thing. No, and the other thing is, is as soon as you go out there and pitch a really good game in front of the home crowd, they love you. You know, I mean, it's, it's that easy, isn't it? I mean, all they want you to do is go out there and compete. They want to know that you're Chicago tough, right? Is there anything more important than you're going out there, you're giving us everything you have in Chicago in any of our sports. Be Chicago tough. Gut it out. If you lose, fine. Give us your six or seven best innings. And just show us that you're into it. Uh, at this point in time, you know, fans question how deep he's into this. And the sensitivity thing's not going to go away until he goes out there and guts out a couple wins at home. Bruce, before we let you go, Joe Madden's tried really hard to stress using the entire field this year. And there were times this week when the Cubs did it really well. Last night, not so much, trying to hit 500-foot homers. Uh, do you think he will continue to press this issue? And do you think Chili Davis has done a good job in also trying to convince guys to do that? I do. And all I look at first is uh, the ascension of Jason Hayward. I, I think I think that people have to concentrate more on the, uh, the, the uh, hard contact that he's making now and the way that he's uh, helped adjust uh, Hayward and, and also – Orber's year and the way that he's using the opposite field more. Uh, you know, last night, certainly, as you guys point out, is not, uh, you know, what you want to show as the highlight reel of how Chili Davis has impacted the team. But you're going to have – these are high strikeout guys, period. The, the thing that you brought up, which is exact, is are they using the whole field more? And certainly we've seen Javi Baez lead the National League in RBIs up to this point after 55 games because he's used the opposite field, and because he's tougher to get out. He, he's only walked a couple times, so he's made hard contact to the opposite field. Hap is starting to do that. So, yes, uh, I, I think there's there's vast improvement in the approach. I think it's going to continue to get better. And uh, if it does, I think, you know, the Cubs are a team that's going to – they're going to score 100, uh, 850, 875 runs and lead the league right there with Colorado, who always does because of their ballpark. But – yeah, I, I see the impact, even though last night was as ugly as you get as far as contact goes. Bruce, thanks for your time. We always appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you next week. All right, guys. Take care. Have a great day. Bruce Levine, Score Baseball Insider. You can hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Joe, we'll take a quick break. We'll get uh, we'll get to some phone calls. There's been some people on hold for a long time. Get- I've got this list that has to do with the White Sox uh, to share with you next. It's going to amaze you. Outstanding. And I have a number for you on Mike Trout and one on Tyler Chatwood. One is very good. One is very bad. We'll do that next on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 
Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit Run on the Score. Final few minutes with you today. Short show, back for a full show next week. Joe Ostrowski, we run out of uh, proper ways to quantify what Mike Trout has done, is doing, and what will do, what he will do. Uh, These are your all-time leaders in war through the age 26 season. He is in his age 26 season. It is June 3rd. (laughs) It's June 3rd. This is career war through the age 26 season. The all-time leader is Mickey Mantle at 61.4 through his age 26 season. Mike Trout on June 3rd of his age 26 season is at 59.5. So within a month, he's going to pass Mickey Mantle as the all-time leader through age 26 season. And he'll have... Three months left to go in his age 26 season. And these are the, these are the names. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to read you the whole like top 100 because they're all extraordinary names. But as you would suspect, they're some of the best players of all time. Mickey Mantle, Mike Trout, Rogers Hornsby, Alex Rodriguez, Jimmy Fox, Mel Ott, Ken Griffey Jr., Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, Albert Pujols, Eddie Matthews, Al Kaline, Babe Ruth, Johnny Bench, Joe DiMaggio, Andrew Jones, Barry Bonds, Willie Mays, Veda Pinson, Cesar Cedeno. It just goes on and on. Garrick, Ripken, Yount, Santo, Williams. It just goes on and on and on and on. And he is far and away going to be the all-time leader through age 26 season. And uh, he'll pass, pass Mickey Mantle soon for that. It's crazy. Wow. It's just crazy. Had another huge night last night. It's just – I. I you know, I, I, we might be talking about the greatest player of all time. We might be talking about the greatest player ever. Think about that. Yeah, we. I, I can't argue that with what we've seen. And there will be a lot of people 10, 15 years from now that say, I wish I could have seen more of him. Yeah, I was alive when you're asked about it. Yeah, I saw Mike Trout. But he's Not playing, a lot. But he's playing at 9 o'clock at Not night. Not a lot, yeah. yeah. It's a shame. He's one of the main reasons I have the package. Stay up and watch him play. It's just crazy. There are four. No, there are three players in Major League Baseball with a war of four or higher. How many from the American League are going to end the season with double digit? <laughs> so, of course, Trout at 5-3, like you mentioned. Betts is 4-1. And Jose Ramirez is 4 He's on a run of home runs. And all of a sudden, things are looking right with Cleveland, too. All of a sudden. They're starting to hit, and everything looks okay. Do I have to tell you uh, what pitcher leads the National League in walks? Do I have to? (laughs) Or major leagues? No, you do not. Tyler Chatwood has 49 walks in 53 (laughs) innings. Is that good? He's got a whip of 173. How many walks and how many strikeouts? Uh, 49 walks, 47 strikeouts. <laughs> he does the walk-to-strikeout ratio, not strikeout-to-walk. <laughs> the, 
You know, I'm looking at some of the names on here, and you got to go down to somebody like Fultonevich, who's having a who's having a really good year, but he's got 80 strikeouts against 30 walks in 62 innings. I mean, how much longer can this continue? I mean they they don't they don't have a choice, right? No, no, I'm, I'm not talking about pulling him. I'm just talking about him. He's always had a high walk rate, but it's it's never ever been this extreme. I mean, half of Half of his current walk rate is high. Half of it. He's right at 20%. 10% is crazy high. I'm really glad for Mike Montgomery. I'm really glad because he's been made promises that weren't kept. He has done everything they've asked him to do. He's taken the ball anytime they ask him to take it. And he takes it over and over and over again, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how much he's pitched. I'm really glad for these are two really good starts for him. So I'm happy for him. But what do you think he thinks when he sees some of what they run out there every day? And the Cubs had a better week. Cubs had a better week starting wise, but can't be it can't be a piece of cake for him to just sit there and take that. No. He also struggled at the very end of last season, especially in the playoffs. He was pretty awful. But if if he well, don't continues, you th- don't you think he knew at that point that Joe had no confidence in him? That's not a great place to be. Probably not. But the year before, he had a ton of confidence. He had more confidence in Mike Montgomery, or as much as anybody else in that bullpen, yep. right there with Chapman. Yep. So it changes with Joe. It's really up to you a lot of the time. How are you performing? Um, if he keeps this up over the next couple of starts, if Darvish continues to be out that long. He's going to have a strong argument to stay in that rotation. And it won't. And, and, and they're it, not going it, to do it. It won't happen. No, because of money. Because of money. Tell me all you want about best players play and money doesn't matter. Money matters in conversations like this. I will say this about Theo, though. When it comes to winning, he'll do whatever it takes to win. Well, I mean, hey, he Hayward's would, not on the field in the playoffs. He would run. Right? O- he would run over your mother, his own mother, run over his own mother to win a baseball game. So if it comes down to it, Mike Montgomery is your best option. Mike Montgomery is going to be in the rotation. Now, we're a long way from that. We're talking about August before they would make a decision like that. But Theo's that. not going to run over his own mother in June. No. Right. Nope. No, it's too early. You don't that, – that, that's just not something you do. Eli, where are you going? Where are you going? Get, get, where'd you go? Here, I'll give you my, my All thing. right. These – this can be random, and going through the drafts is pretty crazy – how bad the number four pick has been. Like you see all stars all around. That number four pick, not so much. These are your number four overall picks since 2006. I'll start with the most recent. Last year, Brendan McKay, Tampa Bay. 2016, Riley Pint, high school pitcher for Colorado. 2015, Dylan Tate, pitcher for Texas. 2014, a guy by the name of Kyle Schwarber. 2013, Cole Stewart. High school pitcher, Minnesota. 2012, Kevin Gaussman, pitcher for Baltimore. 2011, Dylan Bundy came out as a high school pitcher for Baltimore. 2010, Christian Colon, high school shortstop for KC. 2009, Tony Sanchez, catcher, Pittsburgh. 2008, Brian Mattis, pitcher, Baltimore. 27, Daniel Moscos, pitcher, Pittsburgh. 26, 2006, Brad Lincoln, pitcher, Pittsburgh. Those are your... Number four picks since 2006. 
<laughs> Thanks. White Sox fans needed that. I'm just saying it, it's and it's just completely random because it's funny. You, you go you go over some of these some of these drafts and you see wow all, all these highlighted areas. Oh, let's see. 2007. One is Price. Two Mustakas. Matt Wieters was fifth. Third was Josh Vitters. Four Daniel Moscos. Josh Vitters. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, the um, Buster Posey, number five in 2008. I think it's really interesting that they might wind up taking another third baseman. I love what Hostetler had to say. Position doesn't matter. We're not looking at the team. We're not worried about what Tim Anderson's going to be. Can never have enough good players. Nope. Look at the Cubs. Okay. Does position matter? You know, Javi Baez good was player a player or good player? Javi Baez was a shortstop. Exactly. And they traded for Addison Russell. Uh, Eli, uh, can you give us a brief rundown of the uh, best and worst of the White Sox minor league stats of this week? Yeah, Michael Kopech last night, just really bad. Seven earned runs in just two innings pitched. And to me, tell me what you guys think about this. I feel like I'm pulling a mad dog here. Um, with I don't G- about that ever say. Go ahead, your thoughts. Go <laughs> with, ahead. With Giolito struggles. With Giolito struggles. Uh, 7.53 ERA. You got to think that the White Sox are considering sending him down. So with Kopech, everyone's saying, call him up, call him up. It's got to be the same thing, right? Joe, talk about that for a second. Go ahead. Your thoughts on that for a second. All right. Uh, yes, Eli, you are you are uh, correct. But it's just further proof that its uh, progress is not linear. No, that's a good point. Uh, continuing on here in AAA as well, uh, someone who's pitched very well, through four starts in Charlotte, Jordan Stevens, six innings pitched, six hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts, no walks last night. Uh, on Thursday, that is a 2.59 ERA and four AAA starts. Dane Dunning pitched on Wednesday in Birmingham, his best start uh, in Double A so far. Seven innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, nine strikeouts, no walks, a 3.03 ERA in 11 starts along with a 9.31 strikeouts per nine innings pitched in Copex ERA, by the way, continuing that conversation, a 4.89 ERA in 11 starts. And then lastly, with the pitching before Jimenez, Dylan Cease pitched on Tuesday in high A Winston-Salem, four innings pitched, five hits, two in runs, seven strikeouts, four walks, 54 of 94 pitches, four strikes. So similar to Copex, some control issues there, but he has a 2.96 ERA in 10 starts. And then Eloy Jimenez was the minor league player of the month in May, not just with the Sox, but in all minor league baseball, a 3-4-1 batting average with three home runs, 11 RBI over the last 10 games, a 3-33, 3-76, and 6-23 slash line, along with 10 home runs and 39 RBI. Thank you, Eli. You know who leads the National League in war among pitchers, Joe Ostrowski? guy we saw last night? Mm-hmm. Jacob deGrom. I hope he wins the Cy Young Award. I really do. He's been so unbelievably good. I know I picked Scherzer, and he'll probably win again. But this reminds me of, the, of uh, King Felix and the year that he should have won, and he did win, even though he only had 13 wins. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, we're in a tie. It doesn't matter. It's that's un- one of the last things that's even looked at. It's unfortunate that he has to play for this team, but wow, is he good. Eight straight starts, one runner fewer. They are two and six in those games. He's got a 104 whip and a 149 ERA. Good Lord. The only guy close to him in war is Aaron Nola. Scherzer's actually trailing by quite a bit. Joe, we're out of time. We ran out of time again. Oh, these East Coast games are killing us. 
We will have a full show next week, and we look forward to uh, talking more baseball with you then. Right now, it's time for thank yous to Eli Hershkovich. Great job, as always, producing. Thanks to our guests, Bruce Levine and John Harper. Thanks for calling. Thanks for texting. Most of all, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you spending some of your Sunday with us. Stay tuned now for the Cubs pregame show starring Zach Zaidman and featuring Joe Madden, Jim Hickey, Len Casper, and Ron Coomer. Then it's Cubs baseball with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer right here on the radio home of the Chicago Cubs. Today, John Lester and Stephen Matz. Watch out for a Lester no-hitter. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. Hasta la vista, baby! I carpool with McGowan to the ballpark in the morning. McGowan! Are you kidding me? Wow. Holy Moses. So long, everybody. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future, in vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.